0: And here we are with Mr. Shemrock himself. How you doing, my friend? How you getting on?
1: Yeah, I'm alright, lad. Just fucking getting by in these fucking COVID times, man. How are you?
0: Yeah, decent fella, decent. Now, the funniest thing, your fucking breakdown of your own fight, that got me, man. That absolutely got me. Just like making the sound effects, like Robin Black sound effect, man, that killed me. What inspired that? Why did you feel the need to break it down and do all this, that, and the other? What <laughs> brought
1: that on? So, um, basically, the fight's happened. I've beat him. And months later, he's still like, He's still doing a bit of that, like saying it was an accidental knockout, saying I'm not a good fighter. And I'm like, if I'm not a good fighter and I beat you, what does that make you? And then I was just I was just ignoring it, you know what I mean? I'm thinking, ah, I've already beat him. But then, lad, he started DMing me and commenting on me posts and that. So I thought, you know what, lad, you're fucking getting it, kid. So I just broke it down and just said what happened in it. Like, that, that's what went through my mind at the time. And that's how I said it, you know what I mean?
0: I think that's the best part about it. It's so sort of authentic. It's a sort of genuine, like, yeah, this is how it was. Yeah. Like, oh, accidental was it? Yeah, fuck off. It's one of them ones. Pink. See you later. It's one of them ones. Now, interesting enough uh, about you, my friend, yeah. despite Mr. being Mr. Scouse, man, there, you've been spending a lot of time in Malaysia. Are you living over there full time then? Are you back in the UK?
1: I'm in Dublin now, lad. i have literally I come to Dublin two days before lockdown. I was supposed to fight on a show in Belfast. Um, Then I was supposed to fight in Ethiopia. And then after that, I was supposed to fight for a world title in Denmark. And I've come here. I was uh, bounced around a few gyms, trained in SPG for a little bit. I'm training in Dublin Combat Academy now. Good, good Muay Thai gym. Good lads up there. Collie, Craig Cochley. It's, It's a good gym. But I've come here, lad, and fucking... The way it was supposed to go isn't the way it's gone, do you know what I mean?
0: Uh, where this come. I ask a question, it asks ten more questions. What the fuck is this? There's so much more going on as soon as I like, scratch the surface. So has anyone told you there's MMA in Liverpool? Yeah. Like there's quite a few gyms there, I think. You might find one or two, but you know, if you open, it's fine. <laughs> Obviously that and the other.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, eventually, eventually that's my goals, you know what I mean? My me, me goals to go back to Liverpool and fight in my hometown. And But, lad, I don't want to go back and just be some fucking any guy, lad. I want to be main event shows.
0: Well, this is kind of it, though, because, again, right now you're building your name. Is it Five and I was a pro now? Is it Five or Six? Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. That's to say, I mean, you've already built this sort of name in itself. Again, uh, finish it five year. That's the it all finishes a bit of delay. So, yeah, just give it a bit of, like, you know catch up every now and then. But yeah, so again, you're building your name, getting the finishes, again, you're building yeah. the social media. Now, outside of MMA, obviously, things going on, do you do a lot of competitions? I see you do um, some sub-only matches, this, that, and the other. Do you do that quite frequently? you like a lot of jits outside of um, MMA?
1: So, um, originally, I started with pure jiu-jitsu. I was just a jiu-jitsu athlete, so I was going to all these competitions, competing non-star, like, white and blue and even like early purple belt like I won a lot of competitions and um, <clears throat> I started doing MMA because I understood like I'm spending money to go and compete but at least if I fight MMA I'll make money and you'll make it like kind of a bigger name faster and be able to have a real career so the only reason I started doing MMA is because I thought I could make a career out of it otherwise I would have just carried on doing jiu-jitsu and wrestling and that would have just been it for me Like, but you know, it just works out mad sometimes. No, well, this is kind
0: of it with MMA, it's kind of like a catalyst for like the jiu jitsu, this, that, and the other. Because again, when it comes to jiu jitsu accolades, it's very much you have to win all these very prestigious events to get even any kind of recognition. But MMA, you get like some ami fights under your belt, you get some pro fights. people start knowing your name before you've even like yeah. paid hundreds of quid in like memberships and all this, this, that, and the other. And jiu jitsu gets so political, but yeah, prioritizing that now in itself, then. How have you found yeah. keeping MMA style with your jiu-jitsu? Because again, as much as you love your subs from the bottom, MMA is a lot of top sort of pressure, a lot of you know prioritizing different sort of things. Like how have you found adapting that?
1: Um, well, when I was training in Malaysia, we were very, very fortunate that we'd have like a world-class jiu-jitsu coach from Brazil, which is Professor Bruno Barbosa. And then we had a world-class wrestling coach from Iran, which is Mehdi Bagheri. And then we had a few lads who'd come over from like different parts of the world. Maybe some guys have passed through from Russia. We had another Iranian, Farzad Jafari, my he passed through as well. He was like an Olympic wrestler. So we've always had good wrestlers around the gym. So as soon as, as, soon as I started to do MMA, I understood very early I needed to know how to wrestle. And I focused a lot of my time on wrestling and just changing my jiu-jitsu style from, Instead of being the guy who plays the bottom, because I was a guard player, instead of playing guard all the time and attacking with submissions, now my focus is more like playing the top game, positional control instead of submissions, maybe some strong positions where I can land punches. And my focus has always been the same, to take the back in jiu-jitsu and in MMA. Like My back control is probably my strongest game. So I just only had to make a few small tweaks. I still feel I'm very good off my back. I still feel like no one out there submitting me. I don't care who they are. But I just changed my style a little bit. That's all. And I had the right people around me to help me do that. Where maybe in a pure jiu-jitsu gym, I wouldn't have been able to do that.
0: Well, this tends to be the sort of case as such. So again, it's good that you managed to make adjustments to what you're already doing well at instead of trying to go completely reinvent the wheel. Um, when it comes to, I don't know, How much of a game plan do you tend to have in a fight as such? Are you very much rigid? Okay, I need to do these sort of techniques, get this specific thing or is it a case of keep it standing go on the ground? Like, How would you like to... I don't know, do you feel stuff out? What's your game plan normally like in a fight? How rigid is it?
1: I go go out there to... um, Honestly, I just go out there to win and I feel like I've got my game and I just try to implement my game on everyone. But... I had, I had, I wouldn't say I have now because I'm not with the same coaches. I had some quality coaches around me and I wouldn't really watch much tape on my opponents. I'd just send it to them and ask their opinion and they'd make me drill specific things in class and we'd do pos- positional sparring in certain positions that we thought we might end up in. But majority of time, we'd be focusing on my strengths, not their strengths. So I'd just go out there and try to implement my me, me game on everyone. But um, when I thought Hassan, I wanted to strike with him because I just felt like he didn't have any striking. I could, I could just feel it when we were in there. Like, this guy doesn't want to strike. So let's strike. If they don't want to wrestle, let's wrestle. If they don't want to go to the ground, then I'll go to the ground. Like, I'm looking at the easiest path to victory. Now,
0: when it comes to I don't know. It's an interesting sort of thing when it comes to your sort of self-analysis, your confidence, everything else. Because again, you come across very confident, very sort of happy, sort of loving what you're doing. But again, you know, full well as everyone else does. Throughout the sport, you get humbled really pretty promptly. And again, how do you keep that level of confidence but also knowing, you know, there's still levels to everything? How do you find that balance?
1: Well, I'm very fortunate to be honest, lad. Like, when I when I was training in Malaysia, I've been to Phuket and a Phuket top team. And I've been to my old gym in Malaysia. Like you're training with mostly Asians and you do hear people say like people back home, like, Oh yeah, you're winning in Asia. But when you come to Europe, it's going to be different. And you put like Europeans and Americans on this big pedestal. But then when I've come to Europe and I've got to train with some big name fighters, not going to start name dropping, mm-hmm. but you know, big, big UFC names, big Bellator names, whatever. And then you realise, like, wow, I was getting better training over there. It's not the grass is greener on the other side, it's greener where you water it, lad. Do you know what I mean? And I was just fortunate to have a really good team around me in Asia. And, you know, it kind of fell apart. But if I could go back to that team, I'd bring the coaches. I would maybe not say the gym owner because he was a knobhead, but the, co- the coaches that were in that gym, I think that they're the type of coaches that could bring me to the UFC belt.
0: Well, there's a lot in that in itself. And I really like that expression about the grass is green where you water it. Because again, you can go to these, insert franchise name gym with, you know, this coach is in the UFC, KFC, wherever he's been. And then they try and build you up with their sort of like, you know, cloning sort of system. Whereas you find people you really gel with, give you what you need. And regardless of accolades, this that and the other, you're progressing. Yeah. And again, it depends on obviously styles make fights and everything else. But again, getting what you need is the real priority, not a matter sort of dick swinging sort of rights, to that and the other. And I was going to ask about the old training, but I think that's sort of said enough, really, with um, yeah. <laughs> you and your coach's relationship. But, but it gets so interesting with this in itself then. Well,
1: me, me and my coach are um, still close. Like, me, me and my coach are still close. It was just the, the gym owner, he didn't really like me for some reason, and he ended up fucking kicking me out of the gym and that. But everyone in the gym loved me. All the coaches loved me. I was fucking... I was one of the best fighters there. We helped all of us, all the fighters helped build the name of that gym. We all brought it up and then he kinda just turned his back on us and dogged us to be honest, lad. But you know, I don't I don't really cry on it. I believe everything happens for a reason and I believe my path's to go somewhere else and do something even greater. I felt like I outgrowed the region. No one really wanted to fight me in that region anymore. Like the big names don't want to fight a young prospect because I'm too dangerous and the shit guys just I just run through them so they don't even accept the fights. It's like w- one year I had maybe nine pull outs.
0: Well, this is quite interesting about your topology, the sort of space between fights, because some were relatively close together, but then some were almost like a year apart. And again, with your sort of nature of sort of training all over the world and you know, competing all over the world, how do you find, I don't know, are you doing it all in your own accord? Are you finding these places from reaching out yourself for these people you know through contacts? Like, again, this whole thing so independently, like, where's the sort of guidance coming from?
1: Yeah, like, um, I don't believe in being your own head coach. I don't think that's ever going to work. Like, it'll only take you so far. You might be athletically gifted. You might have a very smart brain and you might be able to win fights. But at the elite level, you need head coaches. You need good training partners. And in, me, in the beginning, I was with my jujitsu jitsu coach and my MMA coach, and I always thought I'd be with them. But when things kind of fell apart, luckily, through all the times competing jiu you get to meet other people. And uh, a mate of mine from Manchester, Ben Royal, he trains our Phuket top team. He, he fights in one championship. He offered me to come to Phuket top team and I would have done a camp there. That's where I beat Hassan, And it was one of the best Actually. experiences of my lives. And I would love to go back there and do more camps there. It was really good, but... I kind of chose to come to Dublin because I thought I'd get better opportunities in Europe, but it's just this COVID that fucked everything up, man.
0: I mean, this is interesting as well. I mean, because obviously the opportunities are sort of few and far between and some places are more affected than others because in Thailand, I heard, isn't that affected by it. Like a certain sections of it aren't even like phased by it. Same with um, Australia as well. It's a bit of an interesting one. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised you're more active over there than you are would be in Europe, just from like opportunities. Like again, with your career in itself then, like, where's your preference of sort of trajectory in itself? said about going back to Liverpool and getting the sort of the home crowd and then coming back the hero as such. Is it a case of your career as UFC specific, like sort of traditional route? Is it more like brave or some or, uh, Arab fight? Or is it, what's the UAE like warriors whatever it is? Is that the one? Like the sort of Middle Eastern or other? UAE warriors. That's the one, yeah. Is your preference those sort of organizations? Is it just biggest names, biggest paycheck? What's your main motivation with your career as such?
1: So for me personally, I do not care about fighting for money. I do not care how much they pay me. I'm out here to fight the big names, the best in the world, to test myself, to prove what I can do and get on the biggest stage. And the biggest stage right now in the world is the UFC. I want to be on Fight Island. That's where I want to be, lad. But it's like I'm 5-0 and and really, I'm not really like the guy they want to just bring into the main show. I'd have to go and do a contender series. or And I'm not looking that. I'm looking straight main show. I just want to get on the show and fight the top dogs. That's, that's my goal. So I understand maybe I have to do another two more fights outside of the UFC. But, lad, I stay ready all year round. I'm just like fucking one of them, bro. I just want to fight, bro. If a fight comes up now on two days' notice, a weeks' notice, six months' notice, lad, I'm hungry, bro. I, I'll take it.
0: Now, this is where it gets quite interesting because, again, regards of not so much getting recognised but the usual sort of feeding path into the UFC. I mean, the closest thing I'd ever suggest would be cage warriors like in a European show because again, they take for example, do you know Robbie Scott? He's, um, I think he's a lightweight. He lives in Kuwait and he also, he fought against Joe McCogan at yeah. like, short notice. So no, he, of, he's
1: not a lightweight. He's smaller than that. Is he feather?
0: I think he, he, he I think went up to lightweight. Said, way, yeah, yeah, he, he went, went he up he to light to way, fight. Class. Yeah, he went up to light to fight um, Joe McColgan. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, because, um, this is a similar sort of scenario sort of you're okay. coming in from like a Middle East and sort of wherever you're in Asia to then go into the European scene to then get those sort of tough fights in mm-hmm. there and then go in there directly. So it'd be an interesting way of going about it because again, you're going the right way in the sense of like more and more, I don't know, tougher challenges because you get guys like Mason Jones again taking tougher and tougher tests and then getting the UFC recognition. And the tricky thing is the guys you're fighting now is you're getting yeah. high caliber it's- guys but without the sort of recognition they've got it then doesn't give you that same kind of platform it should do it's, yeah. it's sort of the worst of both worlds, it's the sort of worst kind of matchup yeah. no name but the fucking highest risk so it's a sort of you know but this is kind of what makes you who you are and again it's people who appreciate what you've been through to get there now regards of preference of where you're at now so post covid say things will clear up will you stay in dublin will you go back to Malaysia? Would you go somewhere else for a camp? Would, what's your preference regards of anywhere in the world you've trained so far? Would you, would you return to or somewhere
1: new? I want to go to America, bro. Uh, I want to go to America, mate. But um, it's a bit sticky still, do you know what I mean? So I think it might have to be another place in Europe.
0: Now, with that in itself, in Europe, have you got anywhere confirmed you'd like to go to? Is it something that's in the works still? Because again, it's all a bit up in the air. and I don't know, all-star Sweden potentially, would that interest you?
1: You're close. I've had an offer from a gym, a world-class gym. They've offered me free training, accommodation, all of that one. They've got good UFC fighters, a few Dagestani wrestlers there, so I can get good wrestling in. And then I'm looking to bring some of my old training partners from Malaysia. I'm looking to, you know, throw a bit of money at them and say if you just want to come over, come and help me train. Maybe it'll only be when I'm in camp or maybe it'll only be certain times of the year because to do it all year round would be costly. But I've got good sponsors behind me. I've got good people behind me. And I'm fortunate where I can put myself in a position to do that. So
0: I'm not going to play devil's advocate and keep guessing, but regards of your structure of your ideal camp, so would you have a lot of specific stuff? So would you do like, say you got your camp, I don't know, eight weeks out for argument's sake, for sake of conversation. What is your usual split between S and C, strict MMA yeah. and like traditional disciplines? So like your jiu-jitsu, strict jiu-jitsu, striking, what's your
1: usual preference of like mixing it all up? So I've kind of changed over the years. In the beginning, I was very heavily martial arts based. Because I believed starting MMA at 22 years of age, everyone else had a head start on me, where most of these guys I speak to now they started training when they were seven. So I just wanted to do three sessions a day, six days a week, only martial arts and improving every aspect of martial arts. Once I got to a certain caliber of level where I'm three, four, five years in the game, and I'm speaking to lads who have been training when they were seven, but... I'm smoking them or they're giving me good rounds or we're like kind of the same level. Then I kind of realized like now maybe to start adding in strength and conditioning would be more beneficial. I was a lot I had a lot of injuries back then as well from you know doing the martial arts all the time. You get imbalances and whatever and niggles. And so I started adding in the strength and conditioning and I found all of the injuries that I had kind of have gone away. I'm a I'm a lot stronger, I walk around a lot bigger but then you'd also, you don't get to get in as much jiu-jitsu time, as much wrestling time, so it's just finding that balance really, lad, like, right now, at the moment, because COVID in Ireland, all the gyms are shut, so I'm just mainly lifting weights every day, and then just sparring with the lads, and doing little grappling rounds with the lads, I get in a few black belts, a few brown belts, a few paper belts, a few MMA guys, and I just teach them grappling, and then roll with them, and then for the Muay Thai I just trained with uh, Colin Mahone and Craig Coakley and a few lads down Dublin Combat Academy but right now obviously with COVID things are a bit hard isn't it?
0: How has your head been with everything going on because again outside of pull outs everything else you've been quite active in every other sense so now without um, a deadline for anything that's sort of you know set in stone without anything really structured up like how are you finding everything just your general being and everything else?
1: Uh, yeah, it's hard It's hard to stay inspired, to be honest, mate, when you can't see nothing over the horizon. And uh, I'm not really liking the weather here as well. It's fucking cold, lad. It's miserable isn't it? <laughs> But I'm just one of these people who believes everything happens for a reason. And as long as I keep showing how much I want it, it'll eventually come to me. I don't need to fucking stress about it. As long as I keep putting in the hours, I keep knocking on the door, I keep asking for the fights eventually they're going to say, fucking hell, this kid's been doing this for five years now. Let's just give him an opportunity. Even if they give me the toughest guy in the roster, bro, and and I I end up smoking him, you can't deny me no more. That's all I'm asking for, one opportunity, bro. I mean, this
0: is in itself, because again, the biggest step will get you the furthest It's also the hardest one to take. So it's that sort of whole sort of, you know, give and take. And it's important the fact you are saying this sort of stuff, because again, as much as it is hard to stay motivated, hard to stay inspired, this is when it really matters as such. 'Cause it's all well and good. It's say if you've got fights with the easy people around the corner, you know, no real weight cut, no real struggle. Like everyone can do that, that's no problem. But when you've got, you know, got to stay motivated, you've got to motivate yourself, got to through the struggle, then you start realising, okay, this is well, I'm really fucking worth my soul. This isn't, you know, isn't always fun. This is more meaningful, more significance. No, it's definitely important having that sort of I don't know, both sides of it. If you said sort of that sort of blind sort of, yeah, I'm fine, you're not. But if you say, do you know what, I'm having a time of it, but I'll be alright. I'm still got my I'm just looking over here, not just in front of me. It's you know, it's beyond that. But it's definitely good having that kind of attitude. Now, yeah. on a on a lighter note, before I'll, I leave I'll, you, to, go on mate. I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right. Now.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you right now. This ain't fun. I don't think MMA is fun in any way, shape, or form, lad. I don't get no. I do jujitsu, and I think that's fun. I do wrestling, and I think that's fun. I do I do boxing. I do Muay Thai. I do MMA because I have to, because if I don't, someone's going to spark me out cold, I know that, that's why I do it, I don't enjoy waking up at 6am and going traveling two hours to go and spar and get fucked up in pure striking by these fucking world-class strikers, I hate it lad, but it's all worth it when you walk out and you see the crowd and you go, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be lad, like, there's so many people back home lad, you don't realise you look up to me lad, and you keep me going every day, bro. I get the messages on Instagram every single day, like, What? I remember you when we used to live on blah blah. You used to be a little cunt, look at you now, lad. Keep doing Liverpool proud, and you're there. Little things like that, bro. And lad, it does, it keeps me going, man.
0: I mean, this is also a really interesting part of it again, having the sort of support. Because, again, when it comes to positive support, not everyone's always that vocal, but you, when you get the odd sort of message, you're like, you know what, that, that's what I needed, that's what you need. Again, it's, it's important having that because, again, like I said earlier in this, about how. Being happy, being confident, but also keeping your head in your shoulders, like saying, "I'm going two hours. I'm still getting, you know, smashed, but I'm going because I need to." Yeah. And appreciating that kind of mix of everything else. No, it's really, it's really good to hear that sort of stuff. And as, as to say, when it on a bit of a positive note and a bit of an interesting note, who is your mate you've been fucking putting on your Instagram? Man, he's so funny. Just absolutely roasting him. Like <laughs> I just see you just nonstop posting about him. What is this? <laughs>
1: B- big Sacheraki, <laughs> yeah. on about? the big yeah. fella. What's going on Dad, there, that's, lad? That's me brother, that. <laughs> that's me brother, man. Yeah, he's uh, he's become a bit of an icon in Liverpool, and he, lad, he's fucking. He's just a funny guy, lad. He's just a proper good, good-hearted man, full of life, full of fun, lad. He's just a funny, funny character, bro. And when I first was like four and oh, five and oh. I never really had no love in Liverpool. I'll be honest with you, lad. All my fans were in Asia. And then my brother, Big Sakharohi, he started doing like, all these Instagram lives over lockdown and getting all celebrities on his live. And his live started popping, bro. And everyone was loving him. And then all the scousers just started following me then and supporting me. And they were like, why is this guy out? And we've never heard of him because I was on the Asia scene. So most of my fans, lad, I owe it to him, lad. They're not even my fans, they're his fans. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's so nice. Again, it's so sort of like, you can tell the sort of like balance between the two of you. It's so sort of like, you know, genuine and stuff. It's a nice sort of tone to it. That's sort of, you know, tongue in cheek kind of thing. But no, it's good hearing that sort of, you know, uh, that's a very wholesome note to go things on. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. Yeah. Where can people find you in the old yeah, on the socials?
1: Yeah, On the socials me, YouTube, me, Instagram, me, Twitter, me, TikTok, Shemroch BJJ. Get at me.
0: And the website?
1: MROCHBJJ.com
0: Hey, we love it. The consistency.